Broad Street. Yeah, we met over Saki. Might have started off rocky and ruined our first day. But last night, when you finally called me, I ran straight through the lobby. I couldn't keep you waiting. And I know, and I know, and I know, and I know that you like your space with your one roommate. Do you mind if I see you tomorrow? You're listening to the PCAST, presented by CDE Lightband. Each week we take you around Austin P, the Athletics Department, and occasionally the OVC, thanks to our good friends at CDE. Thank you to our friends at CDE, and thanks to you, the listeners, who make us worth sponsoring. I am Colby Wilson. He is Casey Cricker. Welcome to the nation's top-ranked Austin P podcast, as mentioned on the Rosetta Stone. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad. So, officially... And forevermore crossover. Well, probably not forevermore. This this thing usually ends, but it's at some point. Um, ha- how was you? Our baby went on his very first women's basketball road trip. <laughs> got home at three a.m. Uh, how was that? It's cold in Illinois. <laughs> cold here right now. It's it's colder in Illinois. Um, the high temperature in Champaign was eighteen degrees. It was quite chilly. You know, one of the things they don't really. You don't really uh, account for when traveling in Illinois during uh, winter season is that it's really flat, and so there's nothing to stop the chill, icy breeze from uh, assaulting you no matter which direction you face. It's it's really, really quite something. I've uh, never—fun fact, I've never been to Illinois for a basketball trip where it hasn't been Arctic temperatures and usually snow on the ground. Yeah, it's just not the kind of place I think I'd want to spend my days. Well, guess that rules out Illinois as a future landing site for you, but fortunately there's 49 other states. <laughs> Let's try the one south of here where it's, you know, not 12 degrees. So Alabama? No, never mind. We're going back. I, never mind. But why don't you stay here? <laughs> I retract my statement on Illinois. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> Better than Alabama. Illinois. Better than Alabama. <laughs> Slap that on a license plate and start marketing. There's your marketing, Illinois. <laughs> Illinois, greater than sign, Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> oh, last week, um, you know, for all our talk about crossover, really just four sports in action. but Just all at the same time. All at the same time, and it's kind of a – it's the big boys right now. Yep, football. They hosted UT Martin for homecoming last Saturday. Uh, there was a parade and stuff. There was also a football game. Uh, let's start with the governor's defensive front. Minus 25 rushing yards for UT Martin and tied the program record with six sacks in a single game. Josephus Smith led the way with two sacks and another tackle for a loss. By himself, Joe accounted for minus 17 yards of offense for the Skyhawks. Jack McDonald and Cordell Jackson each had a sack. John Wesley Whiteside had half a sack. And our podcast friend Sean Winningkill had a sack and a half. On the offensive side, Kintel Williams got things going with a 67-yarder to jumpstart the offense in the second quarter. Would you like to guess who had the interception two plays before the 67-yard touchdown run by Kintel? Who is Cordell Jackson? Nailed it. Cordell Jackson, interception number seven. Please keep throwing at him. We, we beg you to keep throwing at him. Murray State, we're looking at you right now. Uh, Kintel would rush for two more touchdowns. Benico Harley would run for a touchdown out of the Wild Gov formation. And Prince Mamadou would also run for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. It was another big day for D'Angelo Wilson as well. He had six catches for, that's supposed to say, 126 yards. He set up two touchdown runs with big catches. He didn't score, but he got the offense moving multiple times. The Wild Gov formation. I that's feel what, like I, we're that's gonna, what I have dubbed it. I feel like we, we need to workshop that a little bit because uh, that, that sounds like the governor's <laughs> drunk and, like, doing weird things in the governor's mansion or something. I don't let, if you can think let, of, Let's keep going back to the drawing board on that. If you would like to tweet at us a better nickname for the governor's wildcat formation, please tweet, tweet at us. Men's basketball. Some of the things the Govs tried at Western Kentucky were very successful. Antoine Butler continued a very good start. Terry Taylor was all goat-like in his return to Bowling Green. And yet... The Tops pretty much took it wire to wire in a 97-75 win. Um, obviously, not many great things to say about it. Uh, the talent is there. The talent is quite evident with this governor team. But all that youth is still figuring out the Division One level. Uh, 
as this year goes on. I expect them to up and beat somebody that most people would not think they'd hang with. And there's going to be a head-scratcher in there somewhere that will just be not understandable. It's it's what happens with a young team getting its feet wet in Division One. I. I don't care right now. It's fine. This is November. I care in March. That's that's when it's important. That's when it matters. Get it together by March. Uh, the women's team, they hit the road for the first time this season to take on the Fighting Illini of Illinois in the State Farm Center. The girls fell behind in the first quarter, but they would outscore Illinois the rest of the way. Uh, in the second half, they s- outscored Illinois by 10 to cut the lead by to 5 heading into halftime. In the second half, the Guffs got the lead to 3 points multiple times, but every time they got close, Illinois would kill the momentum with a fast break, and the Guffs could never close the gap completely, falling 76-62. to 62. Maggie Knowles led the way with a career-high 18 points and 4 three-pointers. Arielle Gonzalez-Varner per- posted her season's first double-double with 15 points and 12 rebounds. A trio of matches for Taylor Mont's volleyball team in this odd short week saw the Govs go one and two with one more match remaining in the regular season. A gauntlet of a schedule. All three of these teams going to the postseason. Uh, two of them going to be more than likely top four seeds. Uh, began with a five-set loss to SEMO last Thursday. The Govs rallied after dropping the first two, but couldn't quite pull off the comeback. Brooke Moore had 18 kills and 17 digs, while Tegan Searing had 17 kills in the contest. Saturday, Govs did complete the comeback, rallying from another two-set deficit and putting away UT Martin on the road. Searing led the way this time with 18 kills. She'd earned OVC Freshman of the Week honors, while Moore had 12 kills and 13 digs. Wednesday night saw the Govs travel to Murray State for the return journey of the first financial battle of the border. A season-best 15 blocks as a team and another 10-kill, 13-dig double-double for Moore couldn't overcome a relentless Murray State attack that saw Rachel Justino record 32 kills in the five-setter. That's a lot. She's pretty good. Apparently. I don't remember much about the game when they were here, to be honest. She did a similar thing. Oh, okay. Well, that. I would I would also like to mention I forgot to mention uh, two of the Gus Wins basketball players picked up OVC weekly they honors did this do week. That. Tahani Bennell, newcomer of the week, and Shaylee Kirby, freshman of the week. So shout out to them. Great job remembering at the very last second, Casey. That'll do it for what happened a week ago or last week, not a week ago. A week ago at this time we were talking about what happened the week before. Nailed it. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Hopefully when Maddie Morstad comes in, I will be more eloquent when I talk to her. And you'll listen to that right after this. Three nights at the motel under street lights in the city of Palms. Call me what you want when you want if you want. And you can call me names if you call me up. Three nights at the motel under street lights in the city of Palms. Call me what you want when you want if you want. And you can call me names if you call me up. Feel like the least of all your problems. Last week we spoke to one half of Revel the Cat's ownership group. Now we complete the circuit with Maddie Morstad, who, in addition to being part owner of the world's most popular feline, is also a member of Austin Peace Track and Cross Country teams, in addition to things like going to class and having a social life. It's a lot, but Revel's mom makes it work. Maddie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. So tell me about Revel the Cat. I got Taylor's perspective last week. Now give me yours. So um, some of the baseball players found Revel outside of the Revel house, the bar um, close to campus. And originally they took him in and found out one of their roommates was super allergic. And so they asked if I wanted him. And I had just been to the animal shelter probably two days before looking at cats just because I wanted a pet for fun. And then they asked me if I wanted Revel, and I saw him, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the cutest cat I've ever seen in my whole entire life. So I got him, and then we went through some up and downs with this cat so far. he, We assume he got his tail ran over before we got him um, because it was just as time went on, we took him to the vet first, and they was like, oh, it's fine. Cats normally heal themselves. And so we brought him back. He was doing great, and then his tail started dying some, and we, like, got skinnier. And I was like, oh, what's going on? And so I came home from my normal day, or this was on a Sunday, and I'd slept over at Taylor's house. And I came home, 
and Revel had scratched his tail on something and had licked it, and so it was open. Mm. And so the vets were closed on Sunday. Monday, I had 6 a.m. practice, class, 2.30 practice, or, yeah, 2.30 practice, 3.30 practice, actually, and then 4.30 weights. And so by the time I got out of all of that, the vets were closed, and so I couldn't take them to the vet on Monday. Well, Tuesday, I had practice, class, came home, and he had ripped his tail almost completely off. Not a pretty sight. It was like a bloodbath on my bed. Mm. And so... I immediately start crying because I've looked up whenever his tail started dying. I looked up tail amputation surgeries just as a healthier alternative instead of, I don't know, whatever else they could do about it. And it was an $800 to $2,000 procedure. And so that broke my heart because immediately whenever I saw that, I was like, I know he's going to have to get his tail amputated. Um and I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep them because obviously I'm a college student. I don't have that kind of money just laying around. Can't have a job due to sports. And so I ball my eyes out. Can't drive. Taylor has to come pick me up and we take him to the vet together. I'm hysterical, like hyperventilating, crying um, because this cat has been an angel. He's the best cuddler I've ever met in my whole entire life. He was he never played at first. He was so shy and he was just very timid and like he started he like finally started to open up before this happened and he would like chase us and we play tag like I run into the living room and he just watches me and then darts in there when he can't see me anymore and so we just created this bond and it broke my heart and then we ended up going to the vet and immediately they look at it and said he's going to need an amputation I start crying again freaking out and he hadn't been neutered yet either because I didn't have any other cats, and that's pretty much one of the only reasons they neuter cats is if you have other cat or they neuter females because they will start having periods. Well, this whole time we thought our sweet cat was a girl also. We thought Sweet Revel was a girl. We called her she. <laughs> she has a pineapple – or she, in quotes, had a pineapple blanket that she, quote-unquote, loved. And – we get in there and the doctor well one we get in one room a dog runs out of the vet they go chasing it we move into another room and the owner of the vet actually comes in i didn't realize he was the owner at the time but he was and he was like so you have a boy cat and taylor and i both look at each other in disbelief and the nurse said or the nurse vet person whatever said it was probably one of the best reactions you we could she could have ever asked for loved it and so that is when we found out our cat was a boy after i posted on twitter and instagram that i had a little girl <laughs> he was it was a boy <laughs> um shocking but he, we kept his name we just changed his middle name to rex so now it's rebel rex what was the middle name well taylor wanted to go rebel ranch and i hate ranch and so i didn't agree with that one and so we went rebel mittens and then Taylor didn't really like it, and so she went and visited one of her friends, and they took and she took Rev, so he went on his first road trip. <coughs> I cried my eyes out watching him pull away. Um, it's like he's growing up, and then she texted me. She was like, what if we change his middle name? I was like, well, what options are you giving me? Because Ranch is not one of them. <coughs> and she brought up Rex, and I was like, you know what? I love that. So now it's Revel Rex, Morst Men. It's me and Taylor's last name combined. Um, so, yeah, and then we took him to the vet, and then we ended up only getting charged $128 for a whole – they neutered him, shots, um, gave him deworming stuff. It would have probably added up to about $1,400 worth of stuff that they gave us for 128 Wow. Yeah, I cried. Um, I was definitely in disbelief because they didn't charge us for anesthesia, which is one of the most expensive parts. And so I was I was like, I know this is meant to be like he's meant to be my cat or me and Taylor's cat. But he lives with me for now. And then on breaks, he'll go with Taylor. But he is just like meant to be ours. He's meant to be our little baby. And so now his tail is in the process of rehealing. Um, it's kind of gross at times. Um, Do you have to change bandages and stuff? 
Well, we only could keep a bandage on it for two days because it needed to air out. And so now it just looks like a burnt hot Cheeto. kind of. Oh. Yeah. They ended up not doing an amputation. They ended up cauterizing it. And so they had to burn his whole tail and shave it. And so mm. it doesn't have any hair on it, really. It's starting to grow back. It's not the cutest thing in the world, but it makes him unique to who he is. And so I love him so much for that. So what brought you to Austin P in the first place? Um, actually, Amelia Thiesing. She started running here. We ran in high school together, and she was like, you should just try. Because originally I didn't think I was good enough to even run in college. My 800 time was probably a 228, and that's as fast as I could go. Didn't think I could get any better. And I was going into my senior year, and I started um, a little private track team with about four people on it. Super small. And um, got my time down, and I was given the opportunity to run here. So really running is the only reason I chose Austin P. What was it about distance running that appealed to you in the first place? Um, nothing, actually. I only started running to stay in shape for soccer. And then Amelia convinced me my sophomore year, the summer, to quit soccer and do cross country because I ran a couple 400s and um, my time wasn't too bad. My first one, I dropped four seconds from my first one to my second one and so she was like well you're pretty good at this for your first year I was like I guess but it sucks and she was like yeah it's not gonna be fun but it's something that's not a tremendous advertisement for cross country not at all (laughs) cross country's awful but um yeah so she convinced me to quit soccer to run cross country and I ended up loving it I had so much fun me and Amelia would talk pretty much the whole race because we didn't take it seriously I mean sophomore year my sophomore year of high school was not going to take it seriously um first time ever running it we would run in like the 23s and then I'd be like all right Amelia I'm gonna run faster now because we only have about a 400 left she was like okay I'm just gonna stay back here and I was like okay (laughs) and so I ended up starting taking it more seriously throughout the season ended up really falling in love with running and as scary as that sounds, because running is not everyone's favorite thing to do, you, the thing they say about runner's high is it's true. You do get on a runner's high. You start to not feel your body at a certain point, and you're just looking around, looking at everything around you and just, like, taking it in, and it's great. How much do you have to run before you reach that point? Um, in high school, it was after about four miles – and then as I started to progress in mileage, it was after about six or seven, and then it hit eight. And that's pretty where I top out on mileage. I don't really go over eight miles, but around six to eight. And you're just, like, looking around, taking in life. I'm going to have to take your word for that <laughs> one. Your season never ends, really. You've got cross, straight into indoor, straight into outdoor. How do you keep everything in order with your life? Um, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't keep it in order. I just kind of am loosey-goosey and just go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. But to keep it in order, I have a planner. I write in it everything I have due on what day. Um, I schedule everything. I have every single track meet already in it. Um, Times we're leaving, how we're getting there, either plane, bus, vans, um, stuff like that. I just really try to analyze everything in my life at the beginning of my week just so I can plan everything out. I have 6 a.m. practice times to afternoon practice times. I have everything planned out, and that's pretty much how I do it. Sounds pretty standard, except your planner is probably stuffed with way more than most people in college. I mean, six-day-a-week practices along with class, along with traveling, and then trying to have fun with college. It's not the best life, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Tell me a little bit about your mom. So growing up, um, my mom's name is Melissa, and er, her name is Melissa. Um, She got diagnosed with cancer when I was three, kind of battled it out. It went away, and then right after I turned four, she passed away. In August, I turned four in July. 
um, it kind of came back and hit her like a train. It, there was nothing we could do. It was sta- immediate stage four breast cancer, and she lit up like a Christmas tree. And there's not really much you can do about that. And so whenever she did pass away, she passed away in the house we lived in at the time. We brought her home, let her be comfortable. Um, but I remember the conversation my dad had with us. And we came home for school, and we were like, where's mom? And he was like, she had to go. We're like, where did she go? Where my little si- my sister and I were, I'm four, she's five. And she understood it a lot better than I did at the time. But it was just, where'd, where'd she go? When is she coming back? She won't come back. Well, why not? Well, she had to go somewhere for a long time. Well, how long is a long time? It's just like questions a four-year-old would ask when all of a sudden there's no mom in her life. And it was rough. It was, as like growing, obviously at four years old, I didn't really know what was going on. But growing up, and like realizing that all my friends have this mom that they've had their whole entire lives and I had to go a couple years without one and that sucked I it really took me about until I was 10 years old to probably about 13 years old that time to really accept that the fact she was gone it took a re- it took a lot longer than I probably about ten years until I really accepted the fact that she was not coming back and that this is just how my life was gonna be and I do everything for her now I yeah she is one of the reasons I started running um, she was a runner my aunt was a runner um, my aunt came to one of my high school track meets and I when I used to do triple jump before I had a back injury. Um, she watched me long jump and triple jump and she immediately started crying because it looked just like my mom and it's just little things like that that I carry with me I have a tattoo of her handwriting and and it says I love you right under my left boob because she died from breast cancer and that's the closest thing to my heart and so She's always with me no matter where I go. And yes, I didn't need the tattoo, but it's just nice to look down and have her handwriting on me. And knowing that no matter what I go through, no matter what decisions I make, no matter where I'm at in life, she will always be with me and she will always love me. But losing a parent is not not fun. It's not any, it's just. It's not har- fair. Yeah, it's not fair at all, actually. It's heartbreaking I don't understand why someone so amazing could go at 29 is it difficult to talk as candidly as you just did about it I've obviously if you look at my family now my mom is super young she's 35 and so growing up um, we'd get looks because she is so young you're like what did she have you when she was 15 and I was like well my mom passed away and that this my mom now adopted me and so I've kind of gotten used or not used to more comfortable talking about her um I'll still have my moments if um there's a Martina McBride song or that comes on I'm gonna love you through it that song comes on immediately tears um but I have gotten comfortable talking more comfortable talking about the fact that she did pass away and it took a long it took about until my junior year of high school to not cry when I talk about her and like I'll still cry every so often and I can especially in October when it's breast cancer awareness and cancer awareness stuff that month is harder and when her birthday comes around it's harder when the day she died comes around it's harder (coughs) but I've learned that this is my life now and I have to be comfortable with it I got to be able to talk about it because people do ask a lot more than you think and it's just something that happened to me and made me the person I am today that is so much more honest and open than I think most people would feel comfortable talking about it it's amazing that you can share that kind of perspective without just going to pieces 
I mean, I'm definitely holding myself together right now, but yeah, it's it's something that I've learned from, I've grown from, um, and I wouldn't be the person I am if my life didn't happen that way. You mentioned your adopted mom. Talk a little bit about being adopted as an older child. I mean, you had your dad. You weren't flying solo by any means, but just the the process. I know I adopted my son as a baby. It's rigorous. It's different, even if it's something that you're wanting to do. There's yeah. a lot of hoops to jump through. Um, I was adopted when I was seven years old, um, and... It was probably one of the best things that could have happened to me. Um, I didn't have a mom figure, and it's different having someone in your life all of a sudden come in, and that's your mom now. And out of nowhere, you, or not really out of nowhere, but like out of nowhere, um, you don't get to pick who it is. Um, And it just happens, and... It took a little bit for my sister and I to get comfortable with calling her mom. And I've never called her stepmom ever. Um, I don't consider her my stepmom. She's my mom. She's the really the only mom I truly remember. I, I mean, my real mom, I obviously remember her, but I have very faint memories. It's I remember my last birthday party and the last time I saw her. I'm, it was a strawberry shortcake birthday party. I woke up and it was surprising. She had on a black bandana. It's stuff like that I remember. But being adopted at seven years old was tough. It's hard to build a relationship because you're starting to hit your teenage years. I mean, seven, you're still a kid, but, like, you're, you're no, you know what's going on. You know that something happened in your past that's sucky. You lost a parent. You lost a mom. It's not fun, but I wouldn't have been able to do it without her. Um, I don't know if, I mean, I wouldn't even be in Tennessee if it wasn't for her. Her job is the reason we moved up here. Um, and if I would have stayed in Georgia, I don't know if I'd even be running or playing soccer. I don't know where I'd be going to call. Like, I wouldn't know. Everything would be different. Yeah. I, my whole view on life would be so different. She really opened my eyes and showed, showed us how accepting someone can be of, coming into a life where she was, how old was she? She was about, she was young. She was 28 when she had my little sister. So she was about 22-ish, 23 when she decided to like adopt us and stuff like that. And that's very young to do that. That's a big decision to make. That's a huge decision to have all of a sudden come out of college. Um, And she works pharmaceutical, so she's, moving around a lot like traveling to different places hours of driving every single day and that was a big jump to make to all of a sudden have two kids and a husband that's huge and she handled it very well and I am so thankful for her every single day because I wouldn't have made it through this life without a mom now your life is kind of high profile in a way I've never interviewed anyone whose mother's wedding uh, was covered in People magazine, for example. Yeah. But her marriage to Chuck Wicks was, and now you're uh, also Jason Aldean's niece. And it's just, there's, is it surreal to have these people that are mom and uncle also be famous? Well, touching on the Jason subject, um, he was my dad's best friend. Um, in high school, my him and my dad did everything together. They got into a lot of trouble together, <laughs> but they did everything together. Um, my dad was there when he wasn't who he is. He wasn't a Jason Aldean. Um, he was there when he was performing in bars. He was there when he was a truck driver. He was there. He was my uncle before he was even my uncle. I called him Uncle Jason when I w- before my mom now even was in the picture um he's always been my uncle and he and I love him for that I we grew up with him because my dad he was 19 whenever 
Mackenzie, McKen- my older sister, happened. And then he was still playing baseball. And he actually was drafted out of high school by the Orioles. And his dad said, no, you're going to get a college degree. And so he went to college and ended up having to quit baseball after two kids. And so he worked night and day, um, <coughs> had multiple jobs, fall asleep outside of classes, and his teachers would just put his work on him. And th- my uncle was there through all of that. And then he, all of a sudden, Big Green Tractor came out and he hit big. And I didn't realize it at the point who he was or he w- who he was becoming. I was six years, seven years old, eight years old. And we would go to his concerts, and I'd be on top of my uncle's shoulders, my uncle Dale's shoulders, or my uncle Josh's shoulders, or my dad's, and I'd just be screaming his songs. And I'd get so many weird looks, like, how does this little kid know all of his songs? And then then as, like, middle school hit, I started to realize, like, oh, he's big. Big, big. (laughs) He's big, big. Artist of the decade, even, like. It's like stuff like that. You take a minute and you're like, wow. And to me, he's just a fam- another family member. It's hard to like see him like that. And it's hard to see him as just this huge artist. Because I've known him when he wasn't that. And I am so happy that that hasn't changed the person he is. He's still a goofball. Um... I mean, we're still super close, obviously, but like I can still go over there and it's just joking around all the time. It's nothing serious and like he's in a he's so funny and I know some people have like said he's really rude about like taking pictures at dinner or something and I've been at those dinners and it sucks when someone you want to have like a little family outing and you get bombarded by all these people and all of a sudden he's up taking pictures. And we're trying to have a family meal. It's like stuff like that. Like, that's when I kind of realized, like, yep, this is my life. I'm going to have to deal with everything being public that ever happens. That's a part of Nashville that's very underrated. That It's got to be tough to go places with him because there's no privacy. There's yeah, definitely. There's no buffer. I mean, even we'll go to the – I mean, we, we went to the beach one year and – we had waitresses talking stuff about like who he was and treating us differently because we were he was there with us and that is not something i would want for anyone it's really uncomfortable kind of that you walk i've even walked in somewhere i've gotten weird looks and i realize people know who who i am and i'm no one I am <laughs> literally no one. Well, that's not fair. I'm just like a I'm just another person though. And um I like even like me and my sister like we get some strange looks and like we went into like a little sports bar grill one year at the lake and <coughs> heard a lady turn. We were just getting some food on a boat ride uh, t- taking a break from a boat ride. And we heard a lady turn and was like, oh, they're related to Jason. Cassie, Cassie, that's Cassie, that's Cassie Williams. That's their mom. And she was, it was just weird. Like, people know, know who we are. And it's, I don't, I never know how to process it. People know more about me than I know about myself sometimes. I was like, it's just, it's weird. It's weird being so high profile, quote unquote. It's different tell me a little bit about concert for the cure and how much that means to you because for people who don't know that's the jason aldean thing where he donates all the proceeds to breast cancer awareness and the susan g Komen foundation Mm -hmm. and it started because of your mom yeah there's actually a street named after him it's called aldean way um right beside the facility and it's so cool because i got to go to the premiere or like whenever a couple years ago when he spoke about that and it's it just warms my heart it's so nice to know that yes he makes a lot of money but he's so selfless in that way to still because some people don't do that there's a lot of famous people who just keep it yeah and that's fine that's what they want to do with their money but it's nice 
it's so heartwarming to know that she, no matter what, still has an impact on how breast cancer research goes and how all this stuff for cancer goes because so much money gets donated to that facility and company and program. It's, it's heart, it's really heartwarming is the best way to, it makes butterflies come in my stomach every time it happens. It's just nice. I, it's a little, it gives me a little smile. Give me something to get through my day. How do you maintain perspective on life? I don't, I just try to stay as happy as I can. I talk to random people. Clearly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't mind talking to a brick wall, honestly. Um, I don't know. I just, you never know what someone's going through behind closed doors. And that's probably one of my biggest things because people, for people who don't know me, they'll think my li- maybe my life was perfect. And if they know the surface level stuff of it, like who my family is, they'll think, oh, she has it made. And they don't know half of the stuff I've gone through, like losing a mom and then a couple years later losing a grandpa who is my best friend and being adopted and moving states, going into high school where you had no friends. And I followed people around to make friends. I had no one my first year of high school. Um, It's like you never know what people are going through. So the way I see it is why be mean why talk about people why do any of this when you don't know how that could be affecting them if that comes back to them like you don't know what it'll do to them because I, I mean obviously I've been talked about my whole life everyone knows my business everyone knows pretty much everything about me you can look me my mom my dad my sister my uncle my aunt up on google and you'll find out my mom died you'll find out oh, my parents got a divorce in 2017 and then my mom remarried pretty fast. Like, you find out everything. And so, and no one knows how that affects someone. And so, the way I go about it is be nice to everyone while you can because it means so much more to them than you think. And, like, going out of your way to say someone looks cute, like, oh, I like your shoes, your shirt is cute. I mean, I've done it plenty of times. I don't know the people. They don't have to say anything. They can look at me and smile. Kindness doesn't cost anything. Y- yeah, and I think that's something that impacted me the most is when I get these random little comments on even Instagram, like, you're so pretty. It's like, thank you. <laughs> like, that's it's nice to hear sometimes. Or no one ever comments on my Instagram to tell me I'm pretty. Oh, so. I, I'll start doing it every day if you want. <laughs> no, that's like really okay. <laughs> there's girls on my track team, and every single day, well, me and one Camille, um, we have a deal. I tell her she's beautiful every day, every single day. I don't know if she needs it. I don't know if that helps her. I do it every time I see her. I say she's beautiful. And it's just, like, little stuff like that. Like, why not say it? It's, it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't. You don't, you're really not going out of your way if you just look up and smile at someone. Or if you just say, hi, you look cute today. Hi, you're beautiful. It's just stuff like that. That's pretty much how I, my perspective on it is like, you never know what someone's going through. So be as nice as you possibly can. Smile as much as you can. Have fun. Be you. Don't change for anyone. Because it just makes you unhappy in the end. And don't care about what you wear. I wear some of the wackiest clothes. I've been caught out for wearing parachute pants. And <laughs> there's these Where do you even give parachute pants in 2019? Urban Outfitters. Oh, for real? Um oh, oh yeah. They have po- they have pockets on the side. I have some cargo pants. I love them. And yes, not a lot of people wear them. It's a little funky, but it's what I like to wear. Got chains. I wear chains on my Air Force Ones. Also, parachute pants were way before your time. Who even alerted you to their existence? Um, my sister, actually. She has a really cool style. My sister is probably one of the most carefree people I know. And she's just awesome. She doesn't care about what anyone else thinks. She will do, wear whatever she wants. And she looks great in it. She wears the funkiest sunglasses shoes 
shirts, some of her outfits. I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense. But you look good in it. Like, you can rock it. But, yeah, my sister pretty much influenced that. What is your favorite word? My favorite word? Oh, my gosh. My favorite word's provocative. <laughs> wow. I love that. Why is that your favorite word? Um, I think it's just goofy. It's a good word. It's a quality word. What is your least favorite word? Hate. But that does not include hating food. I'm probably one of the pickiest eaters, so hating food is okay. Do you hate the word hate? I strongly dislike it. Oh, okay, fair. <laughs> Who or what inspires you? Who or what inspires me? I'd say my mom and my sister. What is the last book you read for fun? I don't read. Like ever? Other than textbooks? Ever. Okay, Not fair. something. I read some text messages that had some tea in them. That was probably exciting. The most exciting thing I've read this year. <laughs> <laughs> what is your worst habit? My worst habit? Eating when I'm bored. Stress. Any point in time in my day, I just eat way too much. What app on your phone gets the most use? <laughs> this is so bad. TikTok. <laughs> That's what Devin said. I don't see. <laughs> of course, she I said it. <laughs> actually, I had TikTok-related questions to ask her because I didn't really understand it. But from what I uh, what I can gather, it's kind of like Vine, only Vine died, and this is what replaced it? Basically. Okay. Yeah. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Oh, my gosh. Um, one time I hit a mailbox in I my assume, car. Okay, I was going to say, I assume driving. Like uh, yeah. Straight on or sideswiped it? Oh, no, straight on. Oh. Took it out of the ground. But That's tough to do. <laughs> I, I don't think my heart has ever beat so fast. I was terrified. I was terrified to tell my dad, one. But... I was so scared. I was like, that poor mail. It literally flew over my car. Out of th It was an old wooden one. It shouldn't have been there anyway. I helped the people. They got a brick one after that. But <laughs> that was scary because what happened is I, was g I live out in the boonies of Franklin, Tennessee. It's like basically Columbia. And when our house was being built, we would stay at our grandparents, and we were dri I was driving down this gravel road, and a deer came out, and so I swerved, naturally, took out a mailbox, terrifying, but by the mailbox was a ditch, so I almost went down into the ditch, too, after the mailbox flew over me, so that was probably the scariest moment. Yeah. Everything <laughs> flashed before my eyes, <laughs> everything, even the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> what is your idea of happiness? My idea of happiness would be finding joy in everything you do. Like being completely content with where you are, who you are, and life in general. What's your idea of misery? Trying to be something you're not. Should prove yourself to others. What makes you self-conscious? My body. Don't you run all the time? I do. It's a weird thing to be self-conscious about, but that's probably my most my biggest thing when i hear it from athletes i tend to have some follow-up questions because y'all are in basically the best condition you're ever going to be in in your lives you should be pretty pleased y'all y'all doing an a-plus job <laughs> what is the most embarrassing song that you love um molly cyrus don't ever play a song it's so awful but i know every single word which one and molly cyrus that's a song it is? It is a song. Oh. It's very bad. It's awful. But I know every single word to it. How would you prefer to die? If you asked Taylor this question, she probably had a panic attack because death is her worst fear. That We talked about that. Yeah. Death. Hor she hates horses. Didn't um, talk about her hatred of horses. She's terrified of them. Um, but... The way I... I don't know. I would want to die somewhere where I'm at peace. I don't want to die in, like, a hospital bed and, like, looking at a TV. I want to die in, like, a field of flowers or, like, by a willow tree because they're my favorite tree. 
on a beach or something. Just like a slow, subtle death. I don't think willow trees are very beach adjacent most of the time. No, I mean, really, any, uh, I, uh, anywhere where, where a willow tree is or a beach, wherever that may be. I don't know. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Ooh. Um, I think I'd want to come back as a dog or a cat because I want to give someone the same love that I would give my pet. <laughs> what might prompt you to lie? Ooh. What might prompt me to lie? When I know I shouldn't be doing something that I'm doing. That's very honest. Yeah. <laughs> what makes you hopeful? Knowing that we're all going to make it one way or another. And so. What is our purpose in life? To be who you are. Not conform to whatever society may think about you or anyone else may think about you. Just being yourself and being nice and a genuine person. So we've talked a lot about the past, but what does the future hold for you? I don't know, whatever it wants to. I'm kind of a go-with-the-flow person. I mean, I have goals and I have things that I want to do. But if those don't work out, I know I'll be okay. Um, I mean, with my degree, I want to be a nutritionist. Um, and I want to do photography on the side, but if that doesn't work out, I'll wing it. <laughs> Do my best to wing it. I mean, like, even my uncle, for example, he didn't even go to college. Um, he was kind of winging the whole singing thing, and he almost ended up being a Pepsi truck driver. And then one guy was like, give me one more chance. He had been through so many record labels. He was like, give me one more chance. And then, boom, now he's one of the top country artists. That. Sounds like winging it's way better than actually having a plan. Honestly, I've thought about it many times. Yeah, I'm going to chuck my plans <laughs> and just kind of go go with the flow and see what happens. I'm well, down for it. I'll <laughs> be right there with you. Well, Maddie, thanks for coming in today. Thank you for being so open and honest about everything in your life that this was very Madison Morstad for coming in and taking the time to talk to us today. Looking ahead at this week, very similar to last week with the stakes getting a little higher all the time. Yep, the governor's football team can take another step towards the OVC title and the FCS playoff berth this weekend. A win in the Battle of Border matchup moves them one step closer. It's essentially survive and advance for the Govs at this point. The Governor defense will look to get another, or the Govs will look to get another big effort from their defensive front six this weekend, led by OVC Defensive Player of the Week, Josephus Smith. But remember, it's rivalry week, and when these two teams get together, you can throw all the record books out because they don't like each other very much. Now, is that how you wanted to say that? Nope. Okay. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're nope, gonna. we're going to keep that in. Men's basketball off on the road again to Tulsa, Oklahoma to take on the Golden Hurricane. The guys have never faced Tulsa. will be a good test for a young team on their first big road trip together. Next Wednesday is a much shorter trip to Vanderbilt. The guys will do dual first-year head coach Jerry Stackhouse's young Commodore squad, which was tied with SEMO at halftime and did not put away Texas A&M Corpus Christi until late. Got to watch out for those boys from Corpus Christi. What? 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 That was just a joke. You didn't laugh. That's because it wasn't funny. Jokes are supposed to be funny. That was just an observation that didn't lead anywhere. Women's basketball is going to hit the road again to take on Mississippi Valley State and Ida Bena, Mississippi. The Gus will look to bounce back from the loss of Illinois and get on track heading into the some important non-conference games. Is it Ida Bena or Ida Bena? I don't know. Ida Bena, Ida Bena? I don't, I don't know either. I was legitimately asking. I didn't realize how close it was to Louisiana, actually, until I looked it up last night. 
hey, you can go get you some gumbo and crawfish. You mm. gonna see? You gonna see Kojo? Go see down. Hey, go, 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 Saturday in the Dun, the Osprey volleyball team closed out the regular season against EKU. The stakes are still pretty high. Depending on other results from around the league, the Govs can finish as high as fifth or as low as eighth in the standings. The Govs have tiebreakers on SIUE and UT Martin, but both the Skyhawks and Cougars have two matches remaining, while the Govs have just one. Taking care of business against EKU to move to 9-7 and seven will guarantee the Govs don't have to face the league regular season champ, but the league's top four is as unsettled as the 5-8 through eight membership. There's a path for Moorhead State, Southeast Missouri, Jacksonville State, and Murray State to claim a conference crown. For community service stuff, Haley Jacoby has all your opportunities, so see her for that. Looks like there are some opportunities at First Christian Church, Buddy Ball, and Mana Cafe. Tonight, Thursday night, November 14th, Liberty Elementary Family Reading Night, if you want to get in on that. And Loaves, Loaves and Fishes Jingle Bell Food Drive is November 16th. So a couple things coming up quickly. If you want to be involved, get in touch with Haley. And speaking of getting in touch, Casey, how do people get in touch with us? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Go P, or you can follow the official Facebook page of Austin P at Austin P Governors. Shout out to Eric and the rest of the gang in digital. We hope to be able to share a new video person news of a new video person with you very soon let's go p.com for dates news and stories casey cody bush and myself doing things over there uh we'll have some interesting things over the next couple of weeks uh gonna try to do a story with Josephus smith gonna try to do something with the fifth year seniors for the Gus football team heading into senior day uh so be on the lookout for that stuff if you want to come watch the govs play you're gonna need a ticket you know how to get a ticket you get in contact with our ticket gurus katie Locke and her assistant johnny cade they have got all the information you can use to get in the game all the vip stuff all the suites all the premium seating find it get it find us on itunes soundcloud stitcher or directly on the website at let's go p.com slash podcast give us a rating review on the podcast five stars five stars especially since murray state is this week and we would like to beat them at the old podcast rating game and if you'd like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Challenge Casey to a game of one-on-one. You will lose. Tweet us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at C underscore Craig19. Love yourself. Love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. Don't sleep with seats. That's a mattress. That's a mattress. You ain't stingy, split your tablets. With me, you don't flinch when camera flashing. Flashing, not fake, laid back, no, it's natural. And I think you made for the life I lead. I'm not fake patient, I don't fake sick. That kind of coughing don't even.